Welcome to Regeneration Studio. I'm Katerina and this is another journey into creative ideas and how they transform individuals and communities. In January 2020, I started my podcast journey, bringing to life what was still a relatively vague idea for a show. But there were a couple of things I was sure of. It had to be about choices, alternative routes in life, exploration and discovery of unexpected places. It had to be about the extraordinary stories of people like you and me. And it had to have a distinct artistic edge that captured all of this. After asking around, I came across one person in particular who could make some of the artistic side of things happen. That person was Rob Irish, a rather amazing all-round artist who is really making it work as a freelance artist. And we'll find out why in this episode. A quick reminder before we start, there's a Regeneration Studio app that you can download and please go to our YouTube channel for an eye-opening exploration of the wonderful and sometimes weird life in the North and subscribe there too. As always, lots of amazing things happening, but for now, let's head over to the studio. We live in a society where art is more likely to be someone's hobby than their actual job. Only a select few of us get to turn our hobbies, that is the activities we do in our free time and the ones we normally highly enjoy, into something we earn a living from. We often hear stories of painters and musicians, writers and photographers who practice their art forms alongside their day jobs. And that is why the idea that it is impossible to break free from our desk jobs is enforced. But there are artists out there who prove that you can be a successful freelancer. One such artist is Rob Irish, who I am delighted to have in studio with me today. Welcome to the show, Rob. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. So to give our listeners an idea of who you are, imagine there is a film soon to be released called Rob Irish, and I thought your name was epic enough to just keep the name like that. Can you briefly introduce yourself in the style of a film trailer? I don't know. I wouldn't say my name was epic, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, in the style of a film trailer, I don't know what, um, I mean, they, they usually sort of all, this summer, one man is taller than everyone else. Uh, yeah, um, I'm Rob Irish. Um, I just do loads of weird stuff and get sometimes get paid for it, and it's great. Um, I'm a freelance photographer and music producer and video person all around, just kind of creative type. I live in Darlington, but I work around the region and sometimes get to do stuff abroad and things as well, or around the country. And it's it's a good time. That's pretty much me, I think. That's the best. Would you watch uh, that film? Yes, I would, just for that introduction part. That was actually really Coming good. Coming fall 2021. <laughs> Didn't expect that. <laughs> part one. To be or not to be an artist. So I know you from the dark wave gothic techno band Black Sheep Frederick. Dickens? It's something like that, yeah. Yes. We change uh, the genre every time we perform, I think. It's, it's, to be honest, I've, I've written a couple of things about it and I change it occasionally as well. Mm. I like stuff that doesn't fit in particular boxes. That's <laughs> a good thing. Exactly. Dave, Dave's the same as well. He's a out-of-the-box kind of guy. Yeah. So I never actually met Matthew, but I knew about the music and it is because of that that 
when I did the groundwork for Regeneration Studio, I realized I needed some kind of theme jingle. I thought of Black Sheep Project Dickens and I got in touch. I also browsed through your portfolio online and I decided that there was no one else I'd rather go to for the photography work too. And that's why I thought that we would discuss being indispensable as an artist today. So for anyone who has thought of pursuing a career in the creative industries, especially as a freelancer, the daunting question is always, will my talent be in demand and will it be in demand to such an extent that I can actually cover costs and earn a living? You have many talents, as listeners might have picked up from your film trailer. You're a musician, photographer, you do video stuff and graphic design. So what did you originally envision for your life? Well, strangely, it wasn't any of those things, I don't think. As much as I always used to dabble with those things when uh, I was at school and stuff. Um, although much is the case for everyone, they often don't envisage what they end up doing, which is, which is cool. I think that's about life and how you flow yeah. with where it takes you. But originally, um, I used to just, well, back at college and stuff, I was all very academic. I did like maths and further maths and computing and chemistry and all that type of shiz. Um, and then everyone thought I was crazy to be like so good at all that stuff at college and then just decide to get into what well, at the time video games design is what it was okay so I went into a course on that instead of going to university mm -hmm. I didn't go to uni I did like a distance learning thing in video games design and I yeah. thought that's this is the thing man like this is what I want to do for sure mm. and uh somehow from that it kind of gradually evolved into just I don't know whether it is video games necessarily but maybe it's just kind of expression artistically in general and I also yeah. I'm quite good at music so maybe I'll do some music stuff and also I'm okay with like camera bits and people will keep asking me to take pictures of them so like and you know these things just snowball I guess and you get better over time and mm -hmm. gradually that evolved into just being video games kind of got as good as I play them still every now and then <laughs> kind of got Drops which, by the wayside and... Which video games would you say inspired... Because some of them must have inspired you to actually take that course and think, well, I'm going to be a video game designer. Yeah, well, back then, I think I used to more play... I still play, but I've still got a Switch now and things. I still play these types of games. But um, I used to be a lot more into Nintendo-type stuff. Okay. All that kind of classic yes. Japanese-style gaming-type mm -hmm. things back then. Um, before I got into the more hardcore... I say hardcore, a bit more like proper fully fledged adult style games on like yes. you know, PlayStation and Xbox and stuff. Um, okay. But yeah, I think just a random side note about video games, like they're a massively underappreciated art form to a yes. degree, I think, in the way that like they can offer an experience even more than films can as a sort of, because they can have an entire designed world and mm -hmm. aesthetics and things, but they can have music as well. And they also put the player in an immersive experience, which is an amazing way of telling stories and stuff. Yes. Which is kind of what inspired me to originally get into them. And then I realised telling stories can be done in lots of ways. And yeah. those ways involve music and photography and design and stuff like that. And okay. it just, yeah. Just, just developed from just there. Just developed from there, I guess, yeah. All right. At what point did you actually set up like your... Business, I think we're going to get to this question in more detail, but like if you had to put a year to it. Let me think. Well, I finished college in 2010. So I'd say about three or four years after that is my guess. Okay. All right. So I don't know. What was it now? 2010. 2020. I have no idea. I've so lost, I don't know what year it is anymore. I know, I don't. No one knows what year it is. What month it is. <laughs> no, it's no all just idea. like a blur at the moment. So it's around about 2015, thereabouts. Yeah, I feel like I've been yeah. doing this about five, yeah. six years, something like that. 
All right. So, well, in order to actually develop a talent to the point where you could offer it as a service and have people like me think, okay, well, I really want to go to that person to get some video work done or whatever it is, you do need a solid base of expertise. So with such a diverse skill set, how did you gain your expertise? And would you say there were any significant mentors or influences in your life besides video games? Yeah, besides that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess th- there's two main ways of, of learning stuff. Uh, well, maybe three, I suppose. You can either be taught those things, you can either teach yourself those things, or you can learn just through experience. And mm-hmm. I think you, it needs a combination of all those all of the above really some people are better at being taught by other people some people are quite good and I'm one of these people uh, at sort of teaching themselves things but through um, educational resources okay. and then learning the jobs thing as well so YouTube for me was just a huge huge thing and mm-hmm. even now I still just learn everything from YouTube um, I'm sure I'm not the only one no. um, and just everything really like if I want to know how a new piece of software works if I want to know how to use mm-hmm. a bit of camera kit or whatever it's YouTube's the way um, same with music stuff. Hey man, how do I do this type of effect? Let's mm-hmm. just YouTube it. And then ideas usually come first and then Googling them comes second. And then you, there's a period of figuring out how that works. And then yes. about, you've learned a thing. Okay. And then obviously there's a degree of just going out there and doing it, making loads of mistakes and learning from them as well. And mm-hmm. just getting better at your job by doing it really. What has been your favorite mistake? Ooh, in the uh, industry <laughs> just choosing to do it in the first place i suppose okay because everyone at, uh, at college especially was like why aren't you going to university you're so like academic blah, blah, blah. you should be like a scientist or something and i was making a big mistake going into the creative yeah. industry because that's not a real industry and this that and the other mm-hmm. and uh as it turns out it's working out okay so far so all right yeah and if you had to pick one art form that encompasses what you do best and you can perhaps use a project example uh, to illustrate this what would it be um it's tough because as much as I, I do what all look like technically independent art forms like music and mm. photography and stuff like that um to me i kind of think of them all as one in the same thing like maybe that's just how my head processes things but they're all about just expression and telling stories and things in just in different ways sometimes it's visually sometimes it's through sound and things like that but I suppose music for me is more of a direct form of emotional expression I feel like you can just play a chord on a piano and people can understand how you're Mm -hmm. feeling in a way that's much more directly impactful or emotionally obvious than watching a film or watching or looking at an image and trying to work out what's going on and work out things. I think something about sound can really convey that. And you can just sit me in front of a piano and I can just play a thing. No one here as good as I used to, but like just press some keys and people can kind of mm-hmm. understand how you feel. And I think that's cool. So maybe music. Music. Yeah. Even though right. I haven't actually put any of my own music out there ever. So I'd say music <laughs> and then people will look up my music and they'll be like, but it's just other people's music. Where, where's the thing? How do I understand this guy? But, uh, yeah, yeah. music is probably the most direct right. expression, I think, if that makes sense. And then just on that point, because obviously if someone were to go to your website, they would see your okay, music there. And then what kind of music do you do exactly? Or is it more like instrumental? 
Is it in collaboration with other people? It's, it's largely collaborative. I think mostly I'd see myself in the role of a producer. So a music producer would be someone mm-hmm. who artists come to with ideas or songs that they've written and they want to get them recorded and, and filled out with more production or they want to mixed or whatever. Yes. So to some degree it depends what artists approach me in a way um, and what their ideas are, but it's typically uh, singer-songwriters or electronic pop kind of stuff and mm-hmm. things like that. I suppose yes. the closest thing to a personal project would be yes. the Black Ship for the Dickens. You know, it's something that me and Dave worked on quite personally together and, you know, there's, there's, it's a bit weird and wonderful mm-hmm. and difficult to define as we've, as we've discussed. Yes. But, uh, yeah, just, just all sorts. Like, I don't have to limit myself to one particular thing. Okay. Part two. Becoming indispensable in the creative industry. So the uncertainty that comes with self-employment often makes freelance work seem too risky. When you work for a design agency, for example, you do not have that initial concern of finding projects to work on or getting a paycheck in the first place. But when you're a freelancer, you are responsible for building your own client base, managing projects and making ends meet. According to you, how does being a freelancer fit in with other possible careers in the creative industries? So, for example, have you thought, okay, well, maybe I should just go work for a design agency and not have worries? Like, well, worries. You can elaborate on that if you do have worries. Yeah, I guess there is, in some some ways, there's, there's a security to having a specific job in... A particular creative industry but there's, there's mm-hmm. something equally secure about having lots of eggs in lots of different baskets so if, as a freelancer it kind of allows you to fill in all the little gaps that other companies might have in, to a degree whereas if you just do one specific thing and you yeah. work for our company that's it that's you do work for them and that's cool like if you enjoy that absolutely fine but mm-hmm. in terms of if you're considering a career in freelance stuff and you're wondering how that fits into other creative industries you know there's a lot of creative developments out there that require freelancers and because the type of work that they offer is so sort of uniquely tailored to a degree that they can't they they couldn't just have a full-time member of staff or whatever so the Mm -hmm. freelancers are quite in demand in terms of finding artists that are quite specific to one thing Mm -hmm. and things like that and and the two sort of meld together quite well you've got all the industry out there creating things and then they have gaps that need to be filled by freelancers and freelancers fill those gaps with their unique skills I guess. Would you say that some artists are more suited to one type of career than another? Yeah so I think to be a freelancer you've got to be a particular type of person Mm -hmm. you've really got to have uh, amongst many other things you really need to have uh, a lot of self-motivation and self-starting kind of mentality because the reality is not having a boss is great but if you're not the kind of person who can be your own boss and make like if if no one's telling you to get out of bed in the morning (laughs) are you going to get out of bed in the morning and it's easy to sort of envisage oh I just all I do is just like get up and take photos it's going to be super fun but sometimes it does get really hard like way Mm -hmm. harder than you would ever think that fun stuff could get and you've got so much stuff on your plate and you don't want to get out of bed you've got to love it so much that and have that self-starting mentality that you get yourself out of bed 
And you do yeah. it because you're aware that other people's projects are at risk if you don't do this or you let people down or you mm-hmm. let yourself down, things like that. And if you don't have, you've got to be quite serious when you think about it, if you don't have that sort of self-starting mentality, freelance work, at least considering doing it full time anyway, might not be for you if you're someone who needs a little bit more structure or authority yeah. or certainty in your life, then it might be that a more obvious or a more natural secure regular profession is a better idea mm-hmm. which can still be in a creative field it just it yeah. could be you know like a position of a, a, i said a design agency yes. or, or whatever you know in marketing or something yeah i totally agree because i mean just working for yourself you really do need a lot of motivation especially when things get overwhelming because mm. then it's so easy to just say well why carry on if there's nobody else holding me accountable for it? So. Can you elaborate on the initial stages of starting out as a freelancer, including some of the financial and management concerns that come with it? So say you, well, whatever the situation is, maybe you've just quit your job, decided you want to be a freelance photographer, or maybe you've just come out of college and you decide this is for you. What are those initial stages to actually get going yeah, I suppose you could probably boil it down to two approaches. If, you, if you're if you in a position in life um, where you can afford to, or maybe you, you get, you know, you lose your job or something, mm-hmm. but if you, you can afford to quit your job or whatever to just completely jump full on into freelance, mm-hmm. that's flipping awesome. Um, and that's generally a case of figuring out what your, I think the words runway, like how long you've ultimately got without a job, without any yes. income before you know you are and that's where saving comes in i suppose having problems so it's it's, you know it's a case of financially assessing that if if you're doing that route but the the other main way of doing it that most people will do it that i did is just starting off doing it seeing it as a side hustle Mm -hmm. doing it alongside your job you know you clock in at nine you come out at five and you get home and and this goes back to the self-starting mentality again is coming home after a long day of work and then going i love this so much that i'm now Mm going to give my evening up to yeah learn photography you know and it might mm-hmm. be that the first year or two or three or whatever is just learning stuff and figuring it all out because it you know everyone learns at different rates and it can take a long time before you can start to monetize that stuff because you get good enough to do it and just start doing small projects with friends and then gradually as you start building up a portfolio and getting better start charging for that etc and mm-hmm. you can you can kind of you know gradually trickle up like that just mm-hmm. charging a little bit more a little bit more and eventually you might get to a point where your side hustle is actually doing okay and it's demanding mm-hmm. a lot of time and you can start to take your foot off the pedal with your regular job or indeed quit it altogether. It depends on how, you know whether you, whether you can got the kind of job where you can drop a day or whether yeah. it's just either you do five days a week or you quit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at your finances, if you're starting to get enough in through freelance then yeah. and you think you've got a good enough runway to make it work okay. and you've eased yourself through that transition, then you, mm-hmm. you can do it that way, which is just a great way to do it because it's a lot less risky than just jumping headfirst. Yeah, as much as jumping headfirst is good in a way because you suddenly have all this time to learn, you can mm-hmm. do it a lot quicker and it's less tiring because you're not working, essentially working yeah, exactly. the equivalent of three jobs, you know, if you're working weekends yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I'd say that okay. encompasses it. You mentioned um, the particular way you did it was doing it alongside a more, well, what do you call it? day job stable job what was that i did quite a few things 
was most notably at one point I worked for a plumbing company as, okay. a, as a works order manager, i.e. Right. Because it was a small family-run business, I was basically the whole department, which was good fun. So I just bossed mm. plumbers about, which is interesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> learned a, a lot of knowledge about plumbing that I don't ever think I'll need again. <laughs> or maybe All I will, right. you never know. Yeah, well, um, it's a good backup. Yeah, Career. but you know, it was, it was income Career at the time. Career, if, if ever. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was income at the time, and I would I would clock out at five or whatever. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was a pretty crazy job, so I'd probably clock out at like six or seven, because I'm naturally a bit of an over... Going back to personality traits for freelance, yes. if you're a bit of an overachiever or a bit of an overworker, mm-hmm. it's not great, but yeah. it really helps. Uh, <laughs> so um, I'd clock out that job at whatever in the evening, and then I'd go home, and then I would flip over my laptop, and I'd work till like midnight or 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. some nights or whatever, five days a week or whatever, just getting good at this type of stuff, because this is what I yes. wanted to do. I didn't want to obviously spend my life learning about plumbing and bossing <laughs> plumbers about as, as much as yes. that was great fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this kind of built up and, uh, you know, I, tra- I transitioned that way. Okay, yeah. I actually heard the similar type of advice recently on a different podcast um, where they said that the best way to go freelance is not actually to just go into it, is to kind of just maybe have a steady job first and then gradually it's, it's start definitely worth like that. Test, testing and trialing it as well because yeah. I think it is such a personality-specific thing. Mm. It's very easy to sort of... I think there's a lot of like weird like an entrepreneurial fetishism these days where not in that sense but as in where people just idolize this idea of um, yes. being that freelance artist being a mm-hmm. freelance whatever and being a business owner or whatever it is yes and um they don't always consider whether how much hard work that's going to be and whether it's really for them mm-hmm. and being able to trial it out by not just completely quitting your job full stop and just going into it yeah and only to realize that it's way harder work than you ever thought it would be you know yeah. um is a good way of doing it yeah no i totally understand that and, and agree so a significant aspect of being successful as an artist is making you indispensable so whether you've transitioned into freelance work or gone straight into it it's that initial getting the clients but also more than just the quality of the work you do the interaction and building up that kind of loyalty from clients so you can get ones that come back to you using a past project as an example what are the factors that have made you indispensable well for me indispensability often comes down to well i can i can think of two main points one being your relationship skills mm-hmm. sometimes clients will often choose to work with a particular person not necessarily because they're the best person mm-hmm. and this is quite reassuring for starting out freelancers as well who by virtue of having just started out aren't probably the best person mm-hmm. but perhaps they are the best at managing client relationships mm-hmm. replying to emails turning up on time just obvious like or seemingly obvious <laughs> day-to-day stuff that sounds really boring and easy to forget yeah. about but they're just reliable you know if they yeah. say they're going to call you at 11 your phone will ring at 11 you know yeah. as whereas there's a lot of people who might be the best in their field but if they're really crap at like picking up the phone they're really crap at getting work done by deadlines and things like that then you know someone else like they might go for, they'd rather go for someone who is reliable but not quite as good than someone who's amazing but they don't know if they're going to get the job done by the deadline or if it's going to be a nightmare to do it or if they're going to have to end up paying loads more money to do loads of revisions and things mm-hmm. like that 
And the other factor of indispensability, I think, is just developing your own unique style that other people can't just do or copy easily. Mm -hmm. So that if, if someone wants a very particular thing and you are the person who they've identified has that style, you become indispensable in that sense that they can't just, you know, if you go into a shop and you see a shelf with just a thousand chocolate bars on it, which just yeah. there is, if, you know, if you're not bothered about what chocolate you eat, you just want a bit of chocolate, you just, doesn't matter, you just pick one off the shelf, whatever. But if there's a specific one that you like that tastes like nothing else mm-hmm. and you want that particular chocolate bar, then there's just no other choice and you've got to yeah. go for them. And, and that's also where you can, when you've got your own style to a degree, you can start charging a bit more for what you're mm-hmm. doing things as well because you're aware that there's a scarcity for your particular unique style and that makes you, mm-hmm. to some degree, indispensable. Okay, if that yes, makes that sense. makes sense. What is your style? I don't know. It's difficult to identify your own style. I think it's mm. something that people label you with okay. to a degree. I mean, yeah. it's, it's easy enough, to, uh, I, I guess... It's, it comes down to the person again you can choose a style you can look at stuff that you like and influences and you can try to replicate yeah. those things or whatever mm-hmm. but um for me it's just been a case of just not really trying to be anything specific and just being myself and just doing whatever mm-hmm. i want to do and then people i guess learn to recognize that style to be honest i think i'm still developing it really i think i'm okay. in the early stages of that yeah but I think it's yeah. maybe something you just continue it's developing some, because, I mean, you change yeah. as a person as I well. Th- exactly. I think you develop it over time. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's very much something that I think other people perceive of you. It's kind of hard to sort of impose on yourself to a degree. And I don't think you should try and impose style on yourself. It's easy to look at, like, you you might have heroes or role models in your particular art form that you love their work to the point you want to create work like that. And you, you, you try really hard to copy them because mm-hmm. you think that's a style that you want, but actually it might not be the style that you have the propensity to create and it mm-hmm. might be that by copying them you're limiting yourself as much as copying is a really good way of learning and trying to yeah. understand how things are done and but uh yeah not being too precious about trying to replicate a particular style or really hit some particular style i think just just experiment and see what you like and see what you're good at and see what people want from you i guess as well because it's also mm. to do with client demand as much yes. as you should just try and not to bend to demand at the mm. end of the day if you've got to make this a job you know to some yeah. degree you've got to do stuff that other people want um so you can't get too weird sometimes um although I do sometimes i do get paid to do some very weird stuff <laughs> so uh, yeah yeah just be yourself man right so you're based in darlington uh which is a large market town in the northeast perhaps best known for its role in the birth of the modern railway you helped establish Tracks, which is a music collective which aims to develop the local music scene and provide support and guidance to aspiring artists. So I've just got one question about this. Can you tell us a bit more about this initiative and your current role within Tracks? Because this is also something that you do alongside your freelance work, of course. And then secondly, can you, given your own situation, how important do you think location is when you're trying to build a portfolio and get by as a freelancer? Uh, yeah, so as you said, Tracks, we're a small music organisation in uh, Darlington. We kind of mostly work within Darlington, uh, but we do 
uh, have some outreach to the region and artists mm-hmm. around the region we support particularly emerging artists in like sort of popular music genres and things like mm-hmm. that uh, we put on events like gigs and workshops or we used to put on gigs <laughs> yeah. at the time of recording this we have had no gigs um <laughs> we have we started doing some more in-person gigs and buskers and things but, like that yeah, outdoors yeah. but whatever's allowable mm-hmm. we've done a lot of lockdown gigs actually uh, live streams yeah. and a lot of mm-hmm. virtual events that i'm filming and editing at the moment there's uh, a lot of that going on which is you know okay. comes down to adapting yeah. to the circumstances but yeah so um presently tracks are just me and sarah wilson okay. we're just based in darlington and we put on loads of nice things to yeah. try and help musicians get opportunities get paid for doing that we're quite we're quite okay. strong about yeah. not booking musicians uh, without there being a budget there to pay for those yes. musicians so that value is perceived in yeah. music right exactly so um and do you focus mainly on musicians who are from darlington and do you mainly just host events in darlington bit of both when we host events we normally try and do them in the town and we do have a focus on darlington artists but Mm -hmm. we also are trying to just generally be not a northeast entity to a degree in that sense so the events might be in darlington but we book artists from all around Yes. Northeast, or for the bigger events where we've got more budget, we'll get artists from across the UK or whatever. So we've mm-hmm. had them from, you know, right down south and stuff. So there's a bit of supporting local, and then there's also mm-hmm. linking local in to the wider region mm-hmm. and trying to find opportunities for local artists to gig outside the region, for example, or to gig around the region, you know. So we're recommending artists to other promoters and things like that, or we're recommending opportunities to artists and things like that. Just trying to build those connections that help those artists in there on career development and stuff like that okay well sounds good and then just back to the the second question i had so thinking okay tracks is mainly based in that darlington would you say that just generally speaking location is important when you're trying to build a portfolio as a freelancer or just be or just being an artist really not even a freelancer as such it all depends on what your ambition is i suppose because portfolio quality is relative i guess if Mm -hmm. you're living in a small town there might be a problem there in that there's a lack of opportunity if if you're doing something like photography if there just isn't many businesses around the region that require photography then Mm -hmm. it might be Difficult, but at the same time, that also makes you indispensable to a degree because you're potentially yeah. the only photographer, <laughs> going back to the previous question. Yeah, but um, yes. portfolio is relative in the sense that you look around where you are and if there aren't many other people in, for example, in Darlington with myself, I look around, is there anyone else who can do a lot of the things that I do? There's not many, okay. really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have less need to some degree of having a really super strong portfolio because everyone in Darlot knows if they want some video doing there's a choice of like two okay, or three people right. right that's kind of it I didn't know that whereas if um, <laughs> you live in a city for example Newcastle now close okay. to major city there's a lot more competition so your portfolio has got to be more competitive all right um so you're gonna to have to look at other people who are doing work in the field that you want to do or at the level that you want to do it and you have to decide if you want to compete with those people then you're going to have to build a portfolio that's competitive with theirs or if you don't want to compete with those people and you want to lowball it if you want to be that type of person who kind of just sort of does the lower budget stuff or whatever you want to do then you don't you know your portfolio just has to be relative to theirs or if you live in a small town and you want to work globally then you need to look out on, you know some more world-class portfolios yeah. figure out how you're going to create that sort of stuff so you can compete internationally you know okay. it just depends where, what you want to do mm-hmm. where you want to do it and what else is going on in that region 
yes. who you're competing with, I guess. Okay. Well, have you ever thought of moving to another, maybe like a town, city, or are you fairly comfortable in? Yeah, I think I think about it quite a lot, but I don't know. For the time, I love city life, but for the time being, to be honest, Darlington actually is quite well positioned geographically. Okay. I am right. obviously being you know the old birthplace of the railways and all that <laughs> um it's pretty easy to get anywhere else in the yeah. country from Darlington because it's like a real hub of mm. a lot of spokes in terms of rail travel so you can get any, anywhere in the northeast anywhere south as well but everything passes through Darlington it's a bit of a funnel yes so it's quite well positioned and the houses are a lot cheaper than a big city as well yeah and there's, a, That's and there's quite a lot of nice <laughs> stuff going there I think Darlow has been on the up lately in terms of culture and stuff it like has. that so okay. uh, that's all it's always good. It's not a bad place to live at the moment. I don't yeah, mind it for I'm a few more years. <laughs> I'll have to explore it a little bit more. I don't actually know it that well. So. Walk in uh. for Darlo sometimes. <laughs> Part three. Tracks into the future. The market landscape for the arts have changed drastically, unfortunately, over this recent period with the pandemic leading to temporary discontinuation of indoor live events. And it does not just affect performing arts and music, but also film and television. Many productions had to be put on hold and obviously some cinemas closed down and so on. Many jobs have also been lost as a consequence or are at risk of being lost. So how have you managed to keep things going, whether with regard to tracks or in terms of other projects you might have been working on? Well... I think this lockdown's tested everyone to a degree. It's really surprised everyone. And what it's really shown is a need for an ability to adapt, I guess. And there's a lot of industries that lend themselves to adaption Mm -hmm. that have done very well. And there's a lot of industries that don't lend themselves to adaption that have done very poorly, particularly at least with those for tracks, you know, because it's just me and one other person just doing it freelance, you know, and kind of it's not our main thing. It's kind of on the side to a degree, although Mm -hmm. we do put quite a lot of time into it. Um, it's easy enough for us to just, you know, change on the fly and okay. with it being art based and music and things like that. It's just been about adapting to the time. So like I mentioned we did a lot of lockdown gigs. We're now moving into a lot of virtual events as well as... What kind of virtual events? So like there's a couple of festivals that we did last year that were real actual festivals where people mm-hmm. turned up and there was a stage and musicians yes. on it which was they were good and gigs like <laughs> remember like it was good um, yeah, i remember those <laughs> so you know with government guidance being what it is we just have no idea how and when mm. or what we'll be able to do in terms of delivering actual physical performances okay. so we've converted those we've managed to convince people who fund us largely Darlington council and create Darlington and arts council and stuff like that allow us to do them virtually so and uh, as it happens because I'm a videographer and music mm-hmm. producer and blah 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 it kind of ties in quite well with what I do because I can just film them all myself and I've done okay. all right out of it to be fair um but we're, we're basically just filming artists instead but in such a way that because we did a lot of the live stream gigs and they're, they're cool but um yeah obviously there's a lot lost in terms of on, on quite a few fronts one you're not there with the eyes which is a big deal with a big mm-hmm. sound and big PA and stuff but also a lot of them are just it's just someone in a room on a phone and that's fine there's a yeah. certain intimacy and honesty about that which is quite nice but it's also quite nice to be able to film artists properly a bit more like broadcast standard okay. stuff so it feels a bit more like you're listening yeah. to a proper performance or whatever mm-hmm. so we're kind of transitioning into that at the moment putting together a few videos to replace our festivals and okay. a few other weird ideas we've come up with 
Sounds interesting. So as much as like this has completely turned the industry upside down, mm-hmm. it's also provided a lot of opportunity for new ideas and new yes. types of events to emerge yes. and people who are kind of looking and assessing what's going on and seeing those opportunities and are there any position such as ourselves at tracks to be able to adapt and offer yeah. uh, those opportunities then i think yeah. we're doing okay really well, that's good news and once again like i've seen a lot of innovation in in terms of how things are presented and i think it's just having that ability like you said to adapt to the situation and and not be scared of changing things a bit so would you say now given the current climate it is a good time to go freelance and what are the advantages and disadvantages of being self-employed as an artist well yeah i mean uh, just half of what i touched on there is about being able to see this whole thing as an opportunity to adapt um mm. i think now freelancers are having a bit of the, the word the, the right word isn't renaissance but uh you know what i mean there's a real yeah, it's a real like moment a right now where there's a big spotlight on freelancers mm. where everyone else whose jobs were previously very secure yes just suddenly aren't secure anymore and all of a sudden freelan- really but the freelancers have just kind of shrugged yeah. the shoulders and gone well yeah. i'll just kind of keep doing what i'm doing actually <laughs> yeah. there's quite a lot of work on at the moment because there's more yeah. stuff to do and plenty of time to do it mm. but even if people who aren't pre-existing freelancers who are in a position to just keep going and doing what they're doing mm people who are thinking of getting into freelance, I think now there's been a really creative time for a lot of people, especially people who've been out of work and things like that. As, uh, as awful as that is, people have suddenly recognised it's a great opportunity to explore creative projects and mm-hmm. play around with things. And some people have definitely found new th- new things to get interested in and new skills that they might have. So yeah, if, if you've got a bit extra time at the minute, then I think it's a great opportunity to... Yeah start doing that particularly looking at the future i think we we've, we've seen through the emergence of all this digital stuff out of lockdown mm-hmm. the demand for it as well um it's becoming clearer and clearer that the digital industries in particular and freelance industries are a lot more resilient and capable of weathering or frankly benefiting mm-hmm. from stuff like this if it uh, as and when it may happen in the future as yeah. industries evolve as the world just does whatever it's going to do as crazy as it is uh, freelance can adapt in ways that other industries can't so i think it's it's a great time to sort of experiment uh, with and it's also a great time to be a freelancer because mm-hmm. there's lots of opportunity yes well i think um just on that point obviously if you are working for a company it also takes longer to bring about certain changes and adapting to situations but if you just working for yourself you can actually just make those decisions on the fly and just go with the flow of things really pretty much Okay, two more questions to go. What would you say is essential in maintaining a steady client base during a period of economic instability? Good client relationships to some degree. Mm-hmm. Like there are clients who who frankly aren't just clients, they're kind of friends in a way. Like we don't okay. just that you know, it's not just the business like transaction where they're just buying a service off me and it's like Mm-hmm. Not, like you might just you know hire a plumber to come around your house and fix your boiler yeah, you don't you know have. sit and have you don't go and night out with him whatever yeah um <laughs> <laughs> as funny as that would be uh just like hey mate why are you here you yeah. just going down the pub but um i don't know i think freelance and creative stuff lends itself more to being quite friendly because you, you yeah. are doing quite interesting stuff but yeah sort of semi being friends with clients as well like okay. it means they want to work with you more and mm-hmm. uh that keeps them in touch with you even during yeah. times when everything's going crazy mm-hmm. 
they don't want to just see that as a time to look for someone else because they've built a relationship up with you over time and you've delivered work over and over again so you can keep clients going that way which again just goes back to what we said ages ago about just having good relationship management skills and just being just being a nice person yes well (laughs) i've got a, a a bit more of a thorny question with regard to that so how much understanding should you have for your client's situation if it changes or should you be fairly strict in, well, I've got a, I've got my own business to kind of maintain. I've got my own like life. It's still a job for me, so I can't be too understanding. Like things do need to follow just a normal path. There is going to be a quote. There is going to be, you know, get reimbursed for a project and so forth. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes just making that clear to the client yeah. up front. And, you know, as much as you can sit and say, I totally appreciate your situation. If something's changed and we now can't finish the project or now it's going to take a lot longer yeah. than it should have. You can also make it clear to them that they need to appreciate that, you know, if it's going to take another few days of your time because the the, the whole project's just taken a left turn mm-hmm. for some reason. But that's going to have a cost associated with it or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Just being clear with your relationship yes. with the client and just saying that yeah these during these crazy times there's also going to be you know if, if you're going to take a left turn then you know yeah. it's going to affect all of us and we kind of you okay. know work i very much feel like i work on projects with clients together i don't always yes. feel like i'm it's very collaborative i think and it's right. it's our it's always like our project mm-hmm. to a degree which is a good way of kind of building relationships as well because it's kind of both your baby it helps them understand a bit more yeah. if you say look like it's not just you that this is going to annoy it's mm-hmm. also me as well yes. if this is going to change because yes. we're working on this together and like as much as I realise that this is, you know, impacting you, it, mm-hmm. that also means it's going to impact me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. that makes sense. No, the reason I ask is simply because I'm one of those people who would always say yes. So, can you do this for me? Yes. Yeah, yeah no, I am a, yeah. I'm a bit of a yes saying myself to yeah. so I'm probably not the best person to ask on this question. Yeah. Uh, but I think you do have to draw a line. But I, yeah, sometimes. exactly, yeah, because, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can only, you can do so much. Kind of st- the word "just" is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are always asking, "Can you just do this?" Mm-hmm. And it's it's about being clear um, what "just" is because you know obviously the re- the reason you've been hired to begin with is because you've got skills that the client doesn't have or understand, yes. and it might be a "just" to them, but it might mean can you any chance you could kind of just <laughs> send this a different do this particular edit. Yeah. And the reality is that "just" might be four or five hours of your okay. time to do, yes. and so sometimes you've got to be quite that. clear. Yeah. Look, like, mm-hmm. yes, I can, but that's not a small ask. It's not a just, I've got yes. to say, like, that's yeah. another half a day's work or whatever. Okay. Um, and if it is really just a, a just a just, then that cool. And you, and, you, yeah. and you feel happy, like you're mm-hmm. being paid enough uh, mm-hmm. to begin with, that you're happy to offer that on the basis of maintaining the good relationship with the client or delivering a good yeah. product, then do it. But yeah, just drawing a line, I think. Mm-hmm. And every now and then you know when the time's right, when you feel like you're not, being well to be frank about it when you're not being paid enough to do a particular project you know when you're being asked too much of and you you can say that's something you just say look like i've done Mm -hmm. enough which is tough when you're a perfectionist (laughs) because you also don't want to not deliver something that's good because that represents you as well yeah um and it's hard because i definitely put in a lot more work than i should (laughs) sometimes when i'm not being paid for it on the basis that i want to deliver a good product because it represents who i am you know but uh so it's hard, but mm. yeah, it's just, I think it a just balancing all, act, I think. Yeah, but it all ties back into, once again, it's it's part of the reason they come back to you, because you deliver a good product. Mm-hmm. So. 
Last question. What do we need in the creative industry in general for artists to thrive now and going into the future? And you can just sum this up as maybe one thing or two things that is essential at this point in time. Well, even just stuff like this, just a greater awareness that these careers are there and how to get into them and resources and uh, support to help people into them because it's very much it's hard enough as it is to just go effectively go it alone when you're going into freelance a lot of the time it's you making a decision for yourself and you don't always have people around you who have any idea what you're doing or why you're doing it and (laughs) it's just it's just you in a room and you're just sat there thinking to yourself why why on earth am I doing this and it can be quite a lonely thing to some degree but the more appreciation there is for the creative industries out there I think the more it would encourage people to get into them and the more support there is, mm-hmm. the more networks of freelancers who can talk to each other and support each other. Um, there's quite a few Facebook pages popping up nowadays, for example, oh, uh, in the northeast as well, where mm-hmm. freelancers all talk to each other. And it gives you a better sense for how this idea that you're all a community of freelance creatives mm-hmm. and you're all going through this together. Recently, for example, with this, all this lockdown stuff, there's just been f- like f- funded work particularly just been going crazy off okay. uh, theatrical oh, yeah. work as well and there's all this constantly funding pots being cancelled as well as announced Uh-oh. and it's such a, a, a crazy non-stop world of things if uh-huh. you're just a person alone in your room it can be quite overwhelming to understand or what's going on or you might feel like it's all happening to you uh-huh. whereas if there's more of a support network and you can see people it's happening to them as well uh-huh. it's, it's a bit like having work colleagues you know because yes. you know, that's something about freelancers you don't have any work colleagues at the same time as you have more work colleagues than anyone else because <laughs> you work with so many people but you don't work with them every day like no. it's it's a strange thing yeah. but yeah, yeah just just more support networks things like that more funding would be great i mean pretty obviously <laughs> they do keep announcing more funding i'm sure they only recently announced a big package of I keep seeing stuff on Twitter yeah, and other places but, uh, about funding, but it doesn't I never always know uh, bleed down to where, the actual grassroots yeah. scene. Is is one of the oh, issues? No. Um, so some of the, some so that the, I don't know when this podcast is going out, but mm-hmm. recently the government has announced uh, one point five seven, I think it is billion pounds of support for creative industries, blah, 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 the arts yeah. sector, which is amazing. But like, where does it actually go? Have, and the reality is, mm-hmm. a huge portion of it will probably go into already very large. Mm-hmm. commercial enterprises and think oh like the large venues large scale venues and uh, promoters and things but how much yes. of it is actually received by small grassroots organizations mm-hmm. or freelance people who can actually access that stuff and i think arts council is doing a lot more lately yeah. if, if no one's aware of arts council they should be yeah uh, in terms of offering grants to individuals not just organizations because oh, previously yeah, funding has right. always had that big barrier if you've got to have a constitution and there's got to be at least three people in the organization right. you've got to have this turnover and all this stuff don't know anything about funding so i'm learning yeah, all these things but, uh, <laughs> more funding pots that are just accessible okay. like yes. in music prs has some great ones and they they're not difficult mm-hmm. to apply for they're quite straightforward and they've helped so many artists who are just young people who just want to make music and they don't know how to write flipping mm-hmm. funding applications it's a comp- it's a complicated thing or it can be yeah and they ask you loads of crazy questions but yeah. um they've been able to just answer some fairly plain english stuff and get money okay. that's helped them in their career which could buy the equipment they need to get started you know so yes. grassroots funding pots would be amazing or more of them because there yeah. are some or uh, more transparency and, and, yeah, too. and just more oh, support gosh. and more mm. community great Well, thank you so much for agreeing to come onto the show. 
as always, I finish with a few quick questions that listeners can get to know you better. We were actually, just before I get into these quick roundup questions, we were actually meant to talk about the creative process of some of the stuff you did for Regeneration Studio, but I think we covered quite a good ground of other things that are really important at this time. So just so that listeners can get to know you better, what is the most recent film or series you watched, podcast you listened to or book you read? Well, <laughs> I don't feel like this is a strange fact about you, but other people talking about other people labeling you seem to think it's a strange fact about me. Is it despite the fact that I work in a lot of creative stuff? I don't really watch TV or films like ever, I you guess. Because I. Uh, How can you not watch films? It's, exactly. It's crazy, right? Like in big, just big films and stuff. And everyone just thinks are like part of the canon of stuff that you should just know. And I'm just like, yep, never seen that. Like, you, you, you're crazy, man. Um right. So last film I watched, I have absolutely no idea because it'll have been a long time ago. But last book I read, I guess I can maybe answer that. Uh, again, I don't read loads, but the last one I read, I think, was a Haruki Murakami book. And oh, okay. it was Is it... Wind Up Bird Chronicle, I think. I've not heard of that one. Yeah, I think I've read maybe three now. It was Wild Sheep Chase. was pretty cool. Okay. Um, some other one, I can't remember what it was. Very weird books. Yeah. Tend to be, normally. Quite non-linear yeah. to a degree things just kind of happen in no particular yeah. order sometimes which i think is interesting yeah. anyway <laughs> <laughs> okay well do you listen to podcasts because last time we spoke you didn't actually so <laughs> <laughs> have you been able to get into that um unfortunately not it's oh. people tell me all that just much like films like i have the stupendously long list of films that people have said oh man you need to watch this film even yeah. more than the last 10 films i've said you need to watch you need to watch it and I go, yeah, yeah yeah man it's on the list the list that just will never yeah. exist in my head somewhere but I don't know. and i also have a list of podcasts as well but uh, okay. eventually one day i might get time to <laughs> there's a thing with like the kind of work i do is it's very because it requires me to, a lot of the time, monitor audio, whether I'm doing video yeah. or whatever. No. <laughs> you kind of can't listen to music in the background or listen to podcasts in the background or watch a film in the background because I have to focus on the yes. sound or whatever. So that unfortunately, it's, it's kind of hard to mm-hmm. do the, both sometimes, but there you go. Well, you should check out my series, When, Why, How to Listen to Podcasts. Maybe you'll get a, a few ideas from that. <laughs> uh, what important truth do very few people agree with you on? I don't know. Well, maybe to keep it in theme with everything else, that creative stuff is hard work. Everyone thinks <laughs> that it's creative all fun stuff's and games. just all fun and games. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, there's plenty of fun and games going on. Like yesterday, I was just uh, by a river filming, we were just splashing about mm-hmm. in the river and this and the other. But the reality is, there's going to be days and days of editing attached to that that yeah. aren't such fun and games. And it's just me okay. staring at a screen and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's way more hard work and time consuming and soul consuming than you might think as fun as it is. And the fun stuff incentivizes you to do the soul destroying stuff. But like, yeah. you know, it's... I don't know if yeah. I'd call it soul destroying, but I get what you say. Yeah, I think maybe pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about the biggest challenge you've overcome in your life. I don't know. Whether I've had a relatively okay... <laughs> Challengeless life. I'm just trying to <laughs> that isn't that isn't the case, obviously. But <laughs> don't know. Just getting into this to begin with. I okay. suppose it's quite difficult mm-hmm. to build up skills and build up a client base and stuff. And yeah. it's really uncertain. And you think the whole time you think, "Am I doing the right thing? Is it going to work out? Do I have a job ahead of me? A career ahead of me? Am I going to be mm-hmm. able to 
afford to do this that, and the other you know or is it all just a big you know pipe dream and you're just gonna have to get a real job in two years time whatever but so far i suppose it's still to some degree being overcome as we speak and hope mm. so i can't necessarily say the final word on it you know yeah. but uh actually making this a thing has been a really big challenge because it's been a lot of hours i work a lot mm-hmm. bit of an overworker i definitely work way too much more than you humanly should but that's just me it's just my personal style and i'm cool with that yeah. so it's a lot of work but um so far it is doing okay um, and it's kind of worth it so yeah all right Sounds good. And then, what is the first place or country that you will visit after this interview? Well, yeah, traveling is a bit of a big thing at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, so, so even if it is in a year's time. Yeah, well, technically, if all goes well, I should be flying to Ukraine, of all places, on the 28th of this month, which is August 2020. Albeit there are a ludicrous number of hoops we need to jump through in order to make that happen and it changes every minute yeah. so it may or may not mm-hmm. happen but even when it does it probably still be, will be the next country I go to I expect because uh, it, it'll only just get put related? back or... yeah it's going to be filming uh, loads of rap music videos oh as you do, sounds exciting in a particular location in Ukraine that is quite unique but I won't reveal where ooh tune, okay. tune in next time for more <laughs> um, but yeah hopefully that's going to happen it was meant to happen in May yeah. And then it was meant to happen in June, and then it's meant to happen in July, and you get the idea. So yeah. it may or may not happen, but um, we'll see. So hopefully, hopefully, Ukraine. <laughs> that sounds really exciting. And then, last question: What advice would you give to someone wishing to enter a career in the arts? Just do it, man. Like I think it's it's easy to a lot of people who are considering careers in the art. It depends who you're talking to. If you're talking to like you know pre. Uh, adult life people it, there's, there's one advice mm-hmm. I'd give but um, most of the time we're maybe talking about people who are already in regular careers and they are considering going into freelance and things like that just do it like the going back to the whole doing it as a side hustle thing yeah. so many people are trapped in that kind of nine to five mentality of seeing evenings and weekends as like it's got everyone's got to get a job to get money right mm-hmm. and they, everyone's initially gets a job because they see it as a way of getting money to support their life. And then a lot yeah. of people end up trapped in this idea where actually their job has kind of become their life. And yeah. the evenings and weekends, they just see as the time between their job hours or however yeah. your job happens to work. And it's learning to see those differently and recognize that the evenings and weekends are your life. Mm-hmm. And you've got plenty of time to do stuff. And that could be creative stuff that you want to do. It could just be enjoying time with your family and friends and traveling yeah. and going places and things, but not resigning your evenings and weekends to just, oh, well, I've got to get up for work tomorrow. So I guess I'll just settle down and watch TV for five hours, yeah. you know, and then oh, maybe I'll do it tomorrow night. And then tomorrow night, you just settle down and watch TV for five hours. And then Monday passes and Tuesday and Wednesday and August and September and 2022, yeah. you know, and it, it, a lot of people just get caught in that floor yeah and just having that moment of self-awakening where you go hang on i've got loads of time to do this if i really wanted to do it mm-hmm. you know why don't i just set out some time on tuesday night not watch tv or whatever or not do that other thing and just sit and play around with paints or sit and play around yeah. with a camera or whatever you want to do you know whatever creative professionals you want to go into just start setting aside a little bit of time for it and actually mm-hmm. experiment and see if you're actually any good at it 
Um, and if you're not, don't get discouraged either. Just make sure you're having fun. And the more fun you have, the more you do it, and the more you'll get better yeah. at it, and the more you might recognise it's it could even be a potential viable career option. The more you can start, blah blah blah. We've we've been through the whole yeah. process, yeah, but way. just just learning to recognise you've got time to do it. Mm-hmm. If you really want to do it, you can make time. Yes. It's, t- it's not about no one's too busy to do anything. It's more about priority. I'm sure yes. someone said that somewhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you really want to make time for something, you, if you love it enough, it. you'll make yes. time. So just yeah. if you if you really want to do it. Just make the time to do it. Just start yeah. and yeah. That's some great advice because I remember when I was teaching, it was full on five days a week, but I always somehow just got the energy together to do some creative stuff, whether that was in the evenings or over weekends. So that is really valuable advice. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rob. And thank you for having me. And thank you to the listeners for joining us on the show and if you need video photography music or graphic design work done you can have a look at rob's rather impressive portfolio at rob.irish or you can find him on social media are there any particular places they need to look or uh, anything you want to add I, to that i guess i have an instagram or okay. which i post periodically on and otherwise yeah my name is a domain name as it happens so yes, just stick a dot in the middle of it and <laughs> That's why like, I looked twice and I actually did it wrong the first time around and was like robirish.com. No, that's not right. But yes, yeah, so it's rob.irish. And don't forget, if you enjoyed this narrative journey, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google or Spotify. And as always, kindly spread the word by leaving me a review and rating on Apple. By sharing the podcast episode and giving me a thumbs up on social media, these stories about entrepreneurs, artists and community transformation can reach as many people as possible. Join me next time for more narrative journeys into creative business ideas.